something that I I really love that you you all acknowledge there was that it's possible to use the rhythm of comedy without being actively funny in order to disturb your audience. That's a really, to me, this is like a really effective and like really contemporary British horror dynamic. It's very, very Ben Wheatley, very, very Peter Strickland. And you can absolutely see that um, the censors working in that that new tradition. Now, look, something, something that, that, that was, again, talked extensively about in, in the interview you spoke about is that the whole film, of the whole of censor rests on Enid's journey. So she suffered from this incredibly traumatic event in her childhood, the, the disappearance of her sister while they were playing together in the forest. And the trauma of that has been uh, repressed and it's manifesting in this determination of hers as a censor to, to shield the nation from this unsavory material and its corrupting influence that she sees as, as, as being out there in the world and is in these video nasties. Even though the, the, the film notes that, you know, real world blood and gore is featuring on the nightly news, courtesy of police brutality against uh, strikers in the Thatcher era. Um, so Enid is on this mission to, to sanitize the world and to, 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 to clean things up um, for the general populace. Even when her mother asks her when they're out for a family dinner, have you seen anything good lately? She says, it's not entertainment, mum. Uh, I do it to protect people. And as, as Prano Bailey Bond said in the interview, she has this, this pair of glasses, this great kind of piece of costuming. Uh, when Enid's engaged in the business of censoring, she puts on the glasses to symbolize this supposed shield between her and the horrors on screen. And it's how she can resist, you know, she cannot be affected by this stuff. She's somehow different from the people on, on, on whose behalf she is doing the censoring. Um, so she will kind of dryly scribble in a notebook, eye gouging must go. She can absorb this stuff, she's not necessarily affected. And then, of course, when she sees the troubling film in question called Don't Go Into the Church, the glasses fall off and the protective barrier is gone. So there's this question that the film poses, uh, which is that, is there really a clue in the substance of this film to, to, to the whereabouts of Enid's missing sister? Or has her own long repressed trauma been reactivated by the film's content. And it's, it's, it's that, that she's, she's not able to kind of, you know, that, that's the question to, to us as viewers. And it's what causes Ina to go and immerse herself in the video nasty world. Uh, first of all, uh, as a consumer, and then as a participant, as the film progresses. Now, um, Prano Bailey Bond mentioned that Censor had played at the opening night of the virtual Sundance back in January. And I, I remember after that screening, so this was like an online streaming thing, uh, Mark Carmode uh, tweeted, there really are few things more thrilling than watching a movie that seems to have been made specifically for you, or in this case, me. What a treat. Now, I did not do the, the virtual screening, but I remember seeing Mark's tweet and thinking, great, because Censor looks like it was made specifically for me as well. I love horror about horror. I love this new movement in British horror that it's a part of. I love films that deconstruct the filmmaking and film absorbing process. And I love that kind of meaty discussion about the crossover uh, between art and morality and the influence that art can have on our lives and and and, uh, and how it can make us you know consider the world in different ways and whether that's a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing and at the end of censor i kind of um you know on paper all of this stuff should have worked for me and at the end of the film i was kind of left feeling it hadn't and i'm going to try and explain why now first of all you know bailey bond's talent as a director is unquestionable she knows exactly where to put the camera she knows how to move it how to not move it there's stuff in here stylistically that's on a par with gaspar noe um, you know, the style is exquisite. You've got that musty, dusty 80s boardroom feel uh, contrasting with a highly strong, even more highly coloured giallo channeling mayhem that unfolds in the forest in, in the later passages of the film. But to me, the censor feels like this, a great short film that has been stretched beyond its natural maximum stretching point. Now, it's, it's only 84 minutes long. It certainly doesn't overstay its welcome. 
but I'm not sure there's enough in it apart from the style to, to, to make that running time feel earned. Now, I mentioned Peter Strickland. Barbarian Sound Studio, absolutely, you know, it's, it's, it's like that in its feel for that drab grimness of the period and, and, and the behind the scenes perspective on the film industry. Um, but Sensor doesn't necessarily probe that. It doesn't go into much detail about the Sensor's daily lot uh, or, or the kind of metaphysics of, of, of film as a haunted medium in the same way as Barbarian Sound Studio does. What it's mainly interested in is this mystery, someone pursuing a mystery in which they may actually be a pawn rather than the person who is solving it. And of course, that harks back to The Wicker Man also harks back to uh, Ben Wheatley's Kill List. Um, and the, the setting and conflict between the strict censor and a depraved horror director, it, it, it recalls a terrific uh, unrelated short story by Stephen Volk uh, called The Squeamish. Uh, the ending gestures towards that whole David Lynch thing of everything's completely fine, folks, and by the way, therefore, also sickeningly wrong and suggests perhaps this idealised, pure family existence that Enid is desperate to pin down is in fact the film made confection and not reflective of how the real world really is. It's pointing towards all of these extremely interesting subjects. I'm not sure it ends up doing much more than that. Um, there's a certain muddledness around exactly what effect the films are having on Enid. Now, she goes on to do some fairly extreme things over the course of the film. So does that mean she was influenced negatively by the video nasties that she was watching as part of her work? Now, that's quite a morally conservative conclusion for the film to come to. And I think Sensor wants to avoid coming to that conclusion. And it seems to kind of walk it back and contradict it elsewhere. There's a, there's a subplot about an apparent copycat murder that's supposedly been inspired by a film that Enid herself passed. But to me, this didn't play as ambiguity. It was more a sort of a vagueness and there was no idea uh, there was no sense to me of, of, of these different competing ideas whirring away actively against each other. Um, so, so to me, you know, that central conflict and therefore the entire character of Enid, because that's Enid's journey, um, doesn't quite add up. It feels to me that her progression as a character is for the convenience of the plot rather than the other way around. She's changing and therefore the plot must kind of progress in order to catch up with what's happening. I'm also not entirely sure how shocking or scary it's supposed to be, because I mean, it's a film about horror rather than necessarily an out and out horror film. But I didn't find it especially shocking or scary. I think there's an archness to the way it recreates that lurid, giallo slasher video nasty aesthetic. Ali, I mean, you said it beautifully in the interview. Um, it's very VHS-y. It has a very VHS-y look at certain points, but the film never kind of successfully punctures that look for me. So in Barbarian Sounds to You, for example, there's an amount of spoof adjacent silliness to what's going on, you know, the kind of crazily threatening opening credits to the film that Toby Jones's character is working on that. But when that film wants to unnerve, as in its soundless sequence, it really unnerves. And to me, Sensor never really unnerved. So this is not a case of me going, oh, what's all the fuss about? I completely understand the fuss. Um, Prano Bailey Bond is a manifestly brilliant filmmaker, fantastic stylist. It's more a feeling that this project in its final form does not feel fully realised. Now, I'm certain when Mark comes back on leave from the cruise, uh, he'll brilliantly explain why everything I've just said is wrong, and I look forward to hearing it. Uh, but I would, I would just, you know, this project especially, I wish there was more to it. I don't think that's necessarily even that bad a complaint, you know. I wanted there to be more from this first film. But to me, yep, it feels like a short that has been slightly overstretched.